You are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Merry Christmas, everyone. Woo! Woo! It's so fun and festive. Oh, I don't know if the worship team is back here yet, but man... Did y'all just love that so much? Thank you, team. Oh, it was so wonderful. And it, oh, those words of those old Christmas songs are just so powerful. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Well, welcome to our family service. Hey, if it's your first time here, would you wave? Welcome, you guys. We're so glad you're here. I love seeing all these faces in the crowd. Welcome. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's a family service today. Your kids, they're great. I have my own, so we'll just, we'll roll with it. They're they're wonderful additions to the service. I actually have a hope and an expectancy that kids get to receive from the message and the worship just like grown-ups, okay? (laughs) So my hope is high that there's something that they can catch and I've, and I've watched it happen time and time again where a kid will hear a testimony and be like, that's mine. And, and they'll take it home. They'll pray into it. They'll see it happen for themselves. So I'm just setting my posture with the Lord there like, okay, God, let, let the kids receive in the, in the same way we do, okay? Uh, so there's some exciting news. Uh, who knows that we've been praying into. Um, this is, uh, I got a call this week and uh, you know, I'm really proud of us uh, as we've, like, kind of gone after this debt-free by 23 word. Um, you know, like, our intercessors are really going after it. It's amazing. I see, I see people day after day out week that there is an Atlanta family that would like to do a matching gift in honor of our debt-free by 23 They want to match up to a million dollars. I know. It's so wild. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. So this week, the way matching gifts work, we got a gift this week of $70,000 toward our building fund to debt free. And that 70 just became 140. So yay, Jesus. So I'm just so grateful. This means if you give 100, it becomes 200 overnight. So no matter the size, um, we're going after something as a body. We're going after it in many ways. We're going after it, um, praying into it, making prophetic acts, giving. We're going after it just even becoming debt-free as individuals, doing a Dave Ramsey course next year. So there's, there are steps that we're going after and believing for debt-free Okay? Oh, so good. So um, this is a fun Sunday to preach on. It's fun to just share on Christmas Eve. And I've just felt this, like, spurring of hope all week in this anticipation as I just heard Vanessa sharing about the worship team and how the Holy Spirit was just falling in practice And as I've just been meditating on this story of Jesus' coming, 
coming as a baby, I'm, I'm really struck by the simplicity of the gospel. And this story is more profound and more powerful than we realize. And so today, I wanna, I'm going to read portions of Luke and just add some snippets in because if you let these words sink in, they carry such power, okay? So as you hear these words today, I want us to think, oh, how would it feel to be in real time 2,000 years ago? How would it feel um, to live in this, in this story? So I'm going to set the stage. Um, Isaiah prophesied for years prior to the coming of the king. He was holding a hope in the darkness. <laughs> like he was living through hard times, holding hope of a coming king. Um, this biblical hope, it's not circumstance-based. You know, you know how hope can be easy and hope can be harder? <laughs> When, when, the, when the circumstances don't line up, holding hope feels a little more challenging. Am I right? And I feel like the world was pregnant with anticipation. Like, we need a coming king. We're living in darkness. We need this coming king. And this is the story that starts there. Um, God had been silent to his people for 400 years. So no, there was no fresh Rama spoken word from God. And, um, and people are looking for a king. They're looking for a king to come and rule them. Um, so it was, it, it, there were prophecies leading up to this. And our king, this King Jesus, the number of prophecies that preceded his birth is in the hundreds. So can you imagine having so many promises about your life before you even got there. I believe the Lord actually has tons of promises over each of our lives. And, and so this coming king had hundreds of prophecies of his coming. And I want to read a few that were just jumping off the page at me. They said, he'd be a human. He'd be born of a woman. He would reconcile people to God. He'd be born in Bethlehem. He'd be born of a virgin. He'd be preceded by a forerunner, who was John. He'd be humble. He'd be meek. Isaiah even spoke of a son who would be called God. And, you know, I've just been thinking of all of his attributes, of what this coming king was going to look like. He was the hope of the world. He was the redeemer, the hope of the nations, the coming king, he's the bread of life, the restorer of life, the great high priest. If you let these sink in, you're like, wow, he is bringing hope for all the nations. His birth is bringing hope for all the nations. He was the perfect sacrifice, the blameless perfect sacrifice. He was the light of the world. He is the light of the world. He's Emmanuel, which means God with us. The glorious one. He came as a man from heaven. He's the eternal king, and he's the savior of the world. So there is just this budding excitement, like, what's it going to be like? What's this king going to be like? And I think it shocked us all. 
Like, for this king, with these great words, to come as a baby would kind of blow your mind and all your expectations get shocked. And in Isaiah, they say he's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. He also said he was going to redeem all who believe his name. And so the people were hungry for this savior. And every expectation I bet they had was blown away when Mary, a virgin, gets to bring him into the world. So today I want to talk about how people are responding to the king. When all the promises are up here and they don't meet the expectation that I have in my mind. How do we respond? Do, we all have promises over our life and they don't always work out the way we thought. <laughs> and I've just been convicted as I read this story. I bet these people living in his time really thought it would look different. And it was actually more beautiful than we could have ever imagined. And as I look at my life, things don't always play out like I thought. <laughs> like, oh, this is what you meant, God? <laughs> and I'm like, it's going to be more beautiful than I thought. But my response in the moment is like, huh, who'd have thunk? <laughs> I didn't think this. And I just want us to look at this story thinking of the response of us. Put ourselves in these shoes. How will I respond to this king? How do I respond in real time to this virgin birth? So, Zechariah, I'm starting in Luke 1, and Zechariah is old in age. He's married to Elizabeth, who's barren. God has not spoken in 400 years, and the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah in the temple. 400 years of silence, and here he is, a word from the Lord. And Zechariah is super afraid. <laughs> he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. This is Gabriel. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. This prayer is a prayer that Zechariah no longer prayed. He prayed for years for a child. He quit praying. And then Gabriel says, that prayer you used to pray, it's coming to pass. Are there any prayers <laughs> that we used to pray that we left? And he says, Zechariah says, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man. My wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Okay, Zechariah's response, that's what we're looking at. It's unbelief. It's doubt. It's prove it. I mean, that's a lot of pain to live with a prayer that I no longer have the energy to pray. And he responds in unbelief. And so Gabriel says, since you did not believe my words, you'll be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. Okay? <laughs> Gabriel, he was meaning business. So 
Zechariah leaves the temple. He can't speak. And, and he gets to wait and watch Elizabeth become pregnant in her very old age. And then a few verses later in Luke 1.26, this angel Gabriel appears again. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Rejoice, beloved young woman, for the Lord is with you and you are anointed with great favor. Okay, this favor... It doesn't look like our version of favor either. <laughs> Pastor Bill was talking about this in a recent message. It's really powerful, some of, the, some of this thing about favor. So Mary is now going to be pregnant, and it looks like she's pregnant with an illegitimate kid. This is favor. And so she's pregnant, which looks like getting killed if you are illegitimately pregnant in her days. Her favor also looks like Joseph saying, I'm going to divorce you quietly. So she's losing her husband, potentially. He gets met by an angel, and he's fine. He comes around. And she's losing her, like, she could get stoned. And then a year later, Herod wants to kill her baby. But she is greatly favored. Favored. Ooh. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel. I can see why. And bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You'll become pregnant with a baby boy and you're to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. And Mary said, okay, this is her response, but how can this be? I'm still a virgin. So she's still equally unsure as Zechariah, but she's meeting the angel with wonder. Hey, God, hey, Gabriel, how can this be? And it's an invitation it's an invitation, like, tell me, show me. The angel tells her something, and it, it, I don't know if it really made sense yet, but the Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. And this is why the child born to you will be holy, and he'll be called Son of God. What's more, your aged Aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son, the barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded saying, yes, I'll be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Wow, her response is so beautiful. She rejoiced before the fruition of the promise. She rejoiced in the hearing of the promise. In the middle of the unknown, so much unknown, 
how is this possible? This favor looks a little scary to me. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, Gabriel. I'm going to rejoice. That posture, that response is a key to us. When the Lord speaks, what are we doing? How are we responding to his unknown? You know, I, uh, do you ever have these prophetic words that hit your heart in a way you're like, oh, that feels like the Lord and I don't understand it? Anybody have those? Yeah? Okay. I, I, I got a few of those words. And, and they strike a chord in your heart because you know the Holy Spirit's breathing on them. But you don't understand them. And, and there's kind of a couple options here. And I want us to follow Mary's lead that she pondered and treasured. Like three times in Luke 1 and 2, it says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. She treasured what the angel said. It, it's wild how much she sat with. She weighed what the angel said. And so I've been like thinking about how we're invited to treasure and weigh what the Lord says. And, uh, and I have these words, and, and I've memorized them by now. You know the words that you don't get? You're like, ah, I don't quite get it, but I know it's you, God. So I, I memorize them because I allude to them enough, you know. I'll, I'll doodle them. I'll, I'll be creative and throw a, a dream board together and throw it on there. And I'm just mulling it over with the Lord. Like, what do you mean by this, God? What are you inviting me into? Like, this is the heart posture of wonder, okay? Where heart, our heart is postured to say, God, you're speaking and I don't quite get it. Mary said this, I don't know how I'm going to be pregnant. I'm a virgin. But you are, there's something on this word. Your words contain life. And that's his word to us. Whenever he speaks, something inside of us like, oh, this is, there's life on this. I can't wait to discover what it means with you, Lord. And, uh, and you know, as I, I think about this word of treasuring, um, I, I have a little personal favorite Christmas tradition. And since it's Christmas, I'm going to share it. Uh, for about seven or eight years, I have made these little, little books for my kids. So each of my kids get their own book every year. And, uh, and it's like I'll go through a year's worth of pictures. So I'm literally pondering over our year. And I warned Brent this year. I was like, babe, it's been a little bit of a hard year. This going through the pictures might not be as glorious as it always feels. Be prepared. I might be emotional. So I'm doing this, and I'm mulling over, pondering a year's worth of pictures and pulling them out for my three kids. And, and what makes it to the book is generally the good things, <laughs> the things worth treasuring. And it's not just the vacations. It's like the funny moment where they made a birthday party for our dog Sunday and had this giant dessert that they served our dog. You know, it's these kind of moments. And you actually, it's very easy to forget that on April 1st, we had a birthday party for our dog. But I'm actually mulling over these pictures and reminding myself, remember that time? Wow, that was special. Oh, God, you really showed up in that moment. Oh, do you remember that time? That Dan and Quinn came over and planted flowers next to my mailbox because I was too weak to plant flowers. Like, these things you forget until you remember. 
And this is that invitation of the Lord. And I think Mary did it so beautifully. She treasured. She pondered. She like sat with. She waited. And so I've watched these books. Like I'm on year seven or eight now. And I almost forgot this year. <laughs> and I walked into Wynn's room and he had 12 of them on his bed. All of his and Lake's. And he's reading them all. And I'm thinking, oh, shoot, I got to get on it. <laughs> like this is, Shutterfly is not quick. And, uh, and so I, I started the process again. But it does something inside of me every year that makes me treasure what the Lord has done in my year. And it makes me, like, it wells up gratitude while I'm holding the great memories and the not-so-great memories of the year. It, it's an act of treasuring. It's an act, action of treasuring. And I think we can miss it. Like, I don't think Mary had these encounters with Gabriel and went on without her life fully changed. And she didn't. It tells us. <laughs> She's pondering these things. She's weighing these things. She's sitting with them. And as we're doing that with the words over our life or what the Lord has done, there's an invitation there. There's an invitation for us to be with him as we discover more of what he has for us. So she was no forgetful hearer. At Mary, she remembered. She treasured. So Mary, in verse 46, after she realizes just the glory that's happening in her life, she sings this song. My soul is ecstatic. It's overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. For he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. So she's proclaiming the word over her life that the angel spoke. I have been favored and blessed. The mighty one has worked a miracle for me. Holy is his name. And she just keeps talking about the glory that is in this child that she's carrying. And, uh, and later, Elizabeth has her baby, and Zachariah does the same thing. He starts proclaiming, you know, he... It's typical that John's name would have been Zechariah because he's Zechariah's son. But Zechariah's mouth opened the moment he said, nope, his name's going to be John. I, the Lord protected Zechariah from ruining this destiny on his life. Zechariah did not believe, and thus his mouth was closed. We keep talking about how much our words aligning with what the Lord is sp speaking matters. And Zechariah, he, he was doubtful. And God knew your words are too powerful to have that doubt coming out of your mouth left and right. And I'm going to shut your mouth until it's time. And then Zechariah starts proclaiming all the, all the testimonies of, over John's life. So it's very convicting the power of our words if we're not using them really wisely. <laughs> I had this convicting moment yesterday. And, um, and, you know, I don't know. I often think that we either have a lot of time or a lot of money, but often don't have both at the same time. <laughs> but I found myself this year, we found ourselves this year saying, ah, oh, we got no time, we got no money. <laughs> like, what a negative proclamation, declaration. <laughs> 
And then we're looking back at our year and we're like, huh, we didn't do all the fun things we always do around Christmas. <laughs> we didn't do that run. We didn't do that race. We didn't do that event. We didn't do that party. We didn't do this fun thing. Well, that's because we had no time or money. <laughs> but we kept saying it. And, and I, you know, God maybe should have shut our mouths this year like he shut Zacharias because there's so much power in our words. <laughs> and God knew a thing that, hey, you're not messing up this birth of John, the forerunner that's going to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. It was too weighty. Can we think of the words over our life as that weighty? And can we think of our words as that weighty? They have so much power. Power of life and death is in the tongue. If we believe it, our life starts looking different. Our life adjusts. So John's been silent for, you know, at least nine months. And after, or sorry, Zachariah's been silent for nine months. And uh, after he says the baby's name is John, he starts to prophesy. Zechariah says, praise be to the exalted Lord God of Israel. He has seen us through eyes of grace and he has come as our hero God to set us free. He appears to us as a mighty savior, a trumpet of redemption from the house of David, his servant, just as he promised long ago by the words of his prophets. Now he has shown us the mercy promised to our ancestors, for he remembered his holy covenant. Zechariah is just reminding himself of the goodness of God now. He's repeating the words. He's reminding everyone who's listening of the promises that are coming to pass because God is faithful. And so in Luke 2, it was time for the census. Joseph takes his very pregnant wife, Mary, and they're trekking back to Bethlehem. And in verse 6, it says, when they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor. And there she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the newborn baby in strips of cloth. And Mary and Joseph laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room of the village. And so then the shepherds are encountered by an angel. And they say in verse 11, or verse 10, but the angel reassured them saying, don't be afraid. I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news in the world. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. This is our God. This is what we celebrate. This is the most joyous news. It's the answer to tons of prophetic words. It's the, it's the hope of the nations. It's the hope in this room. He's the answer. These angels meet these shepherds who aren't even looking for him. And they say, don't be afraid. I've come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it's for everyone everywhere. Nobody's left out. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You'll recognize him by this miraculous sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a feeding trough. And then at once in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they praised God singing, 
glory to God in the highest, for there is peace and good hope given to the sons of man. This is the best news the world has ever heard. It's the most beautiful story we've ever been given. It's the biggest gift. It's the perfect sacrifice. It's he came as a baby. He he took on flesh. He took on the sins of the world for us. He took it on so that we can be reconciled to the Father. Because we our sin separated us. And we needed a perfect sacrifice. And he came as a baby. <sighs> Later, they go to the temple. And then Simeon and Anna have been praying. Anna's prayed for 84 years. I just think of our intercessors <laughs> that pray so faithfully. This woman gave her whole life to pray for the coming king and waited to meet him. Simeon was promised by God, hey, you won't die until you meet this king. And so they go to this temple. Mary's holding a baby, and they're prophesying over this baby, her son. And she's treasuring these things like, how can this be? This is amazing. They were awestruck over what was said of their baby. <laughs> and so I just, I want to respond like these heroes respond. <laughs> I want to respond to the word of the Lord like Mary responds to the word of the Lord. She responded with rejoicing before the promise came. She responded by treasuring in her heart, mulling, weighing with the Lord. What do you mean by this, God? How can this be? This is so beautiful. Look at this promise. She keeps hearing promises. You know, when her kid's a baby, when her kid's 12, she's like, what is happening? This is wild. And she sits with the Lord and watches her son be the savior of the world, be the answer to this hope. It, it exceeded everyone's expectation, and yet it did not match anyone's expectation. He exceeds every expectation, and he doesn't always match my expectations. He's so faithful and so good and also not what I expect. And I just trust that Mary was growing her intimacy with the Father while she kept mulling over these truths. Like, oh, show me more, God. What do you mean by this, God? And I'm asking myself, how can I hold these words over my life? Hold these things that you have said to me with such care as Mary did. Oh, these are such beautiful truths, Jesus. What do you mean? What do you want from this? And, and let that wonder grow my connection with the Father and grow my intimacy. And, uh, and he's inviting us as we respond. How do we respond when it doesn't line up? When it doesn't meet our expectation. Um, and how do we hold on to hope for this coming king that all these people held their hope for the coming king. And he was the light of the world. He was the answer. So 
it's worth celebrating. Like, it's just the most beautiful gift to everyone, everywhere. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.